Good morning. If you've got your Bibles or devices or iPads or phones or whatever you use, do bring them up to Acts 2. Uh, I didn't do any uh, slides this morning, but Acts 2 is where you need to be. Acts 2 and verse 1, we'll look at. So this morning we are continuing looking at our Everyday Supernatural series. And this morning we're looking at the spiritual gift of tongues and interpretation and singing in the spirit. So well done, Julia, for bringing what you brought this morning. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, Quincy, I think it was, spoke about uh, speaking in tongues uh, as another one of the gifts, gifts listed in the Bible. But I think very much the focus on what he shared was around the private use of tongues. Uh, When you're on your own, when you're praying to God, when it's you and God and you're praying about something or someone, and rather than use a language that you have learned and know, God enables you to pray and speak in a language that you've never learned. Whether that's a known language, it's just not known to you, or whether it's an angelic language, because just a heads up, Angels don't speak in English. Uh, They have their own language. And so Quincy really looked at what you might call the private use of the gift of tongues. But this morning, I want to focus on how God enables us and wants us to use the gift of speaking in tongues in a corporate setting. Not when we're on our own praying for something, but when we gather as a church like this morning worshipping him. That's what you might call the public use of the gift of tongues. That's what we're going to primarily focus on this morning. And I'm not going to speak for too long because I want us to go back into a time of worship and have opportunity to put into practice that what we are learning about. So let's just think about the public use of tongues and interpretation. Usually this happens when the church gathers to meet and, uh, and worship God, either all together on a Sunday like we are doing now, or maybe when we meet in smaller groups in our life groups during the week. And it all starts when the Holy Spirit inspires and gives a Christian who is there something to speak out and to declare that is intentionally loud enough for everyone who is gathered to hear except they are going to speak it out in a language that has not been learned by the speaker. It's another language. Either it's a language which is known but unlearned by the speaker, or it's an angelic language. So let's read uh, the account of the first time this happened on the day of Pentecost, shortly after Jesus' death and resurrection. We're going to read Acts 2, verse 1 to 13. It says this, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. 
Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia and Phyra and Pamphylia and Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. They're drunk. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we just pray that you would help us to understand what your word says. We pray that you would help us to understand what this gift is and how it works and, 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 and why you want us to operate and use it. And Lord, I do pray that as Julia reminded us, your word says that these spiritual gifts are given and we are to eagerly desire them. And I pray, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit, you will, you will help us and enable us to eagerly desire this spiritual gift and all the spiritual gifts that are available to us. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So we just think about what's happening there at Pentecost, right? What's being expressed is praise to and about God. It says we hear them declaring the wonders of God. And those wonders of God could be something about who he is, something about his character, his mercy, his love, his faithfulness. Or maybe it's something amazing he's done in creation, maybe back in history, or something in the here and now. Which is why when someone brings a public tongue, we say that it is God's word. It's something that is being expressed by the person to God. If you think about it, all praise is God's word. It is something that we are expressing to him. It's something we are expressing to him about him. His greatness, his character, his majesty, his actions. But what makes this public tongue different? Rather than I could stand up here and say, God is awesome. That's true. But what makes bringing a public tongue different is the person speaking it doesn't speak the language in which they are going to bring it. Now, firstly, that could be a known but an unlearned language. A known but an unlearned language. And this is best explained and understood by example. And I am a very good example because I speak only one language. I have a smattering of schoolboy French. But if someone came up here and declared the wonders of God in French, I might pick up one word. And 
or the. God, if I'm lucky. But see, apart from that, I don't speak any other languages. And so what this gift is like, it's like I, 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 I declare a, a wonder. I begin to praise God out loud, but it's in Bulgarian. Now, Bulgarian, I think, is a known language. My understanding is lots of people in Bulgaria speak it. But Bulgarian is completely unknown to me. It's unlearned by me. But in the moment, the Holy Spirit is able to, en to, to enable me to praise God in perfect Bulgarian. I mean, I'm impressed by it. The people at the first day of Pentecost were impressed by it. You lot are clearly not so impressed by it. So I'm going to say it again. God, in his incredible power and wisdom, in a moment, can enable me, a guy who can only barely speak English, to declare his praises in perfect Bulgarian. Or Russian. Or Arabic. Or any other language that he chooses. Well, it's pretty good when you think about it, isn't it? When you get out of, for me, my Englishness, and just stand back for a moment. Wow, God, that is incredible. And the Holy Spirit, in that moment, not only enables, say, me to praise him in Bulgarian, but it's so perfect that a Bulgarian speaker who might be in the room could come up and tell us exactly what I said in Bulgarian. And then bringing that is what we would call the interpretation, just like any language interpreter, because they speak the language, they can hear it, and when they hear it, they literally can put it into another language. That's really what happened at Pentecost. All the people heard them praising God in their own language. Just imagine that. You gather on the day of Pentecost. There are Jews there from all different nations. They all speak different languages. It's like us gathering, uh, you know, in, in Holland, and there, are, and there are people there from France and Germany and Bulgaria and Africa, and, and we all speak different languages, and we all know that most of us don't speak each other's language. It wasn't like at Pentecost, the people that were there being filled with the Spirit were like international linguists. They were, they, they were simple folk like you and I that probably speak one or two languages, their own language. And yet, as God fills them with his Holy Spirit, all these other Jews that have come from around the place are standing there and they can see them worshipping God and they can hear, they can hear God being praised in all of those languages that I read out. So that's what we would call a known but an unlearned language. Some human someone speaks it, but the person bringing it does not. If, the, if a human who speaks it is in the room, they can literally translate it like we tried to do and failed miserably when I was at school with French. That's a known, it's a human language, it's known, but it's not learned by the speaker. That's the first one. Secondly, what the person brings, what the Holy Spirit stirred, could be brought in an angelic language, which actually means no one on the planet 
in and of their own wisdom can bring the translation because the angels haven't written the dictionary of their angelic language yet. So what happens then? Right? Just hold that question. What happens then? But actually, when you think about it, if you imagine that I were to bring a tongue in Bulgarian this morning, not even knowing that it was Bulgarian, and there's no one in the room that speaks Bulgarian, then actually we're in exactly the same place as if what I bought was bought in an angelic language. Because humanly speaking, there's no one there who can tell us what was said. No one who can tell us what praise was being declared to God about God. Everyone in the room is in the same boat. They've just heard something declared out loud, but no one can make any sense of it from the actual language that was used. And that's a problem. But it's not a problem that is too difficult for our God. Because what God does in that situation, by his same Holy Spirit, that he enables either just as the first person is speaking, just as the tongue is being shared, he gives someone else the sense of what is being declared. He gives somebody else the sense of what is being declared in praise to God. It's not usual they hear a kind of word-for-word translation, but they get the sense of it. They get the gist of it, the thrust of it. And so the Holy Spirit enables another person to speak out what some call the dynamic equivalent of what was the first person shared. So if I share in Bulgarian, I have no idea what I shared. I don't even know it's Bulgarian. No one in the room knows it's Bulgarian, but it's there. God, by his Holy Spirit, is able to give someone else the equivalent dynamic, able to give them the, give them the sense of what is being shared. So much so that they are able to lift their voice and speak it out in a language that would be known by the people that are gathered, in our case, generally English, you know, on a Sunday morning here. So that's the way that it's best thought of. The interpretation is not an exact like for like, but rather it's, it's the Holy Spirit gives you the heart, the burden, the, the sense of what that person just declared. So a definition could be this. An interpretation is a supernatural revelation given through the Holy Spirit to a Christian to communicate in the language of the listeners the dynamic equivalent of what was spoken in tongues. Does everybody understand that? Five of us do, the rest of us I'm not sure. That's okay. Let me make some general points. When someone brings a tongue in church on a Sunday morning like gathered now, we must give space and we must pray, including the person who brings it, that God will bring the interpretation. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 14, 13. For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. And then verse 26 and 27, he says this. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn, word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at most three should speak one at a time 
and someone must interpret. Because everyone remains unedified, unbuilt up, until there is an interpretation, because no one knows what was said. Paul actually says he'd rather speak five intelligible words in the gathered church than 10,000 words in a tongue. He's not trying to dissuade this gift. He's just saying, think about it. If you bring a tongue and no one interprets, no one knows what you're saying. So in the corporate, public, you know, gathered setting, there's no value in bringing a tongue unless there's an interpretation. But the answer to that is not not to bring a tongue in case no one brings the interpretation. It's to trust that God will bring the interpretation. If we're open to him, if we're led by him, if God can stir someone to bring the tongue, surely God is able and willing and will bring someone to bring the interpretation. And scripture says that actually if no one else brings the interpretation of a tongue, the person who brings it themselves should bring it. Which again, if you think about it, it won't be a problem because if God stirs you to bring the tongue in the first place, he will, he will give you the interpretation. But what I don't believe God wants to happen, and I'm sure this wouldn't, but I just say it just in case, is that if someone brings a tongue, everybody else switches off and thinks, oh, well, it's down to them to bring the interpretation because doesn't the Bible say that if no one else brings it, they should bring it? Hey, listen, first thing, we should all look to bring it. And then if nobody does, the person who brought it should ask God. Because I believe God wants us all to ask, all to eagerly desire, all to be the ones who are open for God to move through us and to bring the interpretation. Secondly, the interpretation actually is just as much a supernatural manifestation as the original tongue. In fact, it can take more faith, I find, to bring an interpretation than a tongue. Because you know when you bring the interpretation, people are going to hear and weigh and test, etc., Sometimes I find the interpretation comes to me more or less as the person is bringing the tongue. As they're saying it, it's like I've got a sense in English of what they're bringing. And that's great because you can bring the interpretation and you, you know what it is. But you know, other times, if someone brings a tongue and I feel the Holy Spirit stir me, God just gives me the first line. He just gives me the, first, the initial burden and the first line. And I have to stand there and open my mouth with what he's given me. But every time when I do that, God then brings me the rest until he declares, in a sense, what he wants fully declared. And sometimes I find that I have the interpretation and I'm just about to share it and I'm just kind of getting up the courage and I'm just going through that in my head and my heart. And somebody else shares what it is that you were going to share. If that happens to you, don't worry, don't beat yourself up. Just thank God that he's moving and maybe be a bit quicker next time to open your mouth. Let me just go here a couple of things that I've found uh, when I've spoken about this to Christians. This might just be helpful to you. What do you do if you bring a tongue and somebody else brings the interpretation and you don't think it's the interpretation? Number one, don't get bent out of shape about it. No one is going to die over this stuff, right? And God certainly doesn't want his kids to fall out over it. If you brought a tongue and there hasn't been what you think is the correct interpretation, ask God 
and then bring it yourself. And if a person comes up to you afterwards and says, oh, you brought that tongue and I brought that interpretation, do you think it was right? Do you, you know, do you feel that what I shared was what you had on your heart and it wasn't? Just lovingly say, oh, no, I don't think it was. Just be honest. Christians have said to me, I don't know what to say to people. if they, I say, Just be honest, be loving, but be honest. Say, no, I'm not sure that it was. And the reason I say that, number one, is because we should be honest, because I think God likes that. But also because what I've found over the years is sometimes if someone brings a tongue and a spiritual gift, that might be the trigger for other spiritual gifts to be used. And so someone might bring a tongue and the next person to speak might think they're bringing the interpretation, but they're not. They're bringing a, a, a prophetic word. Or maybe they're bringing just a word that God wants shared, an encouragement. And how are people going to learn if we're not going to be willing to actually be honest with them? So if I bring a tongue and you bring in the, the interpretation and ask me, I will tell you honestly. Is that all right? And if it's not, it's okay, I'll tell you. It may have been that God stirred something else in you. So I really don't think it's worth getting too hung out about. And I do believe that God can stir lots of spiritual gifts in a moment. Second one that I've often found Christians ask is this. Why does God do this kind of stuff? It kind of sounds complex, confused. Paul's trying to get more, if you like, orderly worship. This now sounds confusing. But, you know, Acts 2, the Bible talks about this as being a sign of the kingdom of God. Just imagine the effect at Pentecost. You're present with a bunch of Christians and you know they don't speak your language and then suddenly they start praising God and worshipping him in your language. It's hard to go away from that unmoved by the fact that the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God has just come very near you. And just like speaking in tongues builds up or strengthens an individual believer, so the church corporately gets built up when we exercise spiritual gifts like this. When there's a public tongue and an interpretation, and often it's one person brings the tongue, one person brings the interpretation, both inspired by the Holy Spirit, there is that sense, wow, God is with us. God is moving. God is on the throne. God is able to do this kind of supernatural stuff for his glory and so that we might look on and be in awe of who he is. So I just want to say to you, if you get hung up by the question, why does God do stuff like this, I won't be joining you. I won't be joining you in your hung-upness, all right? I have just determined and decided and from experience in the word worked out, God does it. If you haven't, God bless you. But I will not be joining the, the, the camp that doesn't do because, well, I'm just not sure. Oh, I just, oh, I just can't. Oh, I just don't. Oh. For me, this is a wonderful spiritual gift from my heavenly Father that brings him praise and glory and leaves me in awe and wonder. And personally, I feel I would be foolish not to explore if there's a possibility in being involved in a gift like this. But that's just my take on it. So that's tongues and interpretation. And in a minute, we'll have some space when we go back into worship to ask God, God, do you want to give us this gift? God, do you want us to exercise this gift? And uh, if he does, then great. And if he does, then he stirs you and you bring it, then great. 
Uh, that's as much as we can do, as it were. You can't manufacture, can't force God, can't make it up. But you can be open, you can be willing. You can eagerly desire. Second one I just want to talk about briefly is, so we can pray in tongues privately. We can bring a tongue publicly, but we need an interpretation, otherwise no one understands. But you know, you can also sing in tongues. You can speak in tongues, you can bring a public tongue, but you can also sing in tongues or sing in the spirit, as some people call it. When we're on our own or when we gather to worship. And on a Sunday, if you think about it, we often have some songs which are pre-written and the words are up. But then we often have gaps between those songs. And we do that because those are moments for us as Christians to open up our mouths and sing to God songs that haven't been written down and we haven't been taught. And that can either be in a language that we know, so for most of us that might be English, or it can be singing in tongues. I actually usually do a mix of the two. I normally, if I'm worshipping, and you get that gap between the kind of songs with the words up. I normally sing a bit in English, and I normally sing a bit in tongues. I kind of mix and match. I'm just greedy, I suppose, or simple. I don't know, but that's what I do. So this thing of singing in the Spirit, it is in tongues, but I also believe the instruction that Paul gives, it's not just, it's not just limited to singing in tongues. I believe, actually, you can sing in, in any language. It just so happens to be one that you know or one that you've not learned. So when Paul says in Ephesians 5.19, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. I believe this is what he wants us to do when we gather as a church. Notice a few things. The setting for this particular command is not when you're on your own, but when you are together. Paul's saying to them, speak to one another. Speak to one another. When we praise God in the company of others, there is, in a sense, we are not just, we are worshipping God alone, but in a way we are also speaking to one another. And actually what's coming out is coming from our hearts. It says sing and make music in your heart. This is not just a question of reading the lines on the screen and saying them as if it was, you know, uh, the instructions for how to boil an egg. No, no, this is, it's coming from the heart, but actually it's audible because it says, sing, let it come out of your mouth. What's in here? Praise, worship, love, adoration from God. What's in here? Let it come out of your mouth and sing it. And of course, it's always to the Lord. It's praise and worship to him. We don't just sing because we like the tune and they sound like nice kind of words. No, no, this is worship for him. And this is a corporate command. This is to be done when we're together. So I think, I think God loves it when we come and worship. I think he loves it when we worship using songs that have been written and they're up on the screen and the band are playing. But I also think God loves it. It's a beautiful sound in his ear when we also don't use those kind of pre-written down songs and we sing to him. We lift our voices to him. Whether we do that in tongues, whether we do that in a language that we know, I believe he loves it. I think it helps us to engage with God. We don't have to look at and think about the words. 
I always have my eyes shut during worship anyway, so I never see the words. And I close my eyes, I don't want any distractions. And I'm easily distracted. Because when you sing and you see the words, you've got to look at them with your eye. They go in your mind, and then you decide to sing them out of your... There's a mechanical function that has to go on. But you know what? If you close your eyes and lift up your hands and just let the praise come out of here, it literally goes from your heart, from your spirit, out of your mouth, straight to God. And you know what I find? Sometimes I can go through the motions when we sing songs that are up there on the screen that I know about. I can kind of be singing them, but I can be thinking about something completely different. I might be singing the most amazing words about Jesus on the cross, and I'm thinking about roast beef and two veg or something. Or thinking about nothing at all. I'm just singing, because this is the singy bit. Right? I can, we, can do, we, we can all, I think, fall in. This is a singy bit. This is what we're going to say. I, like this. I don't like this one. I've always liked this one. I've never liked this one. <laughs> bit loud, bit not loud. I wish I wouldn't do it. I mean, we can all, and we're singing. We're singing about Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sin, yet our mind is going with a whole load of... Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and yet I find that for me, I get into that moment when I'm not relying on the words and I close my eyes and I want to worship God and bring something that will please him, whether it's in tongues or whether it's in English. Actually, it's coming from within. It's, 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 there's a genuineness to it. I actually think that singing in the Spirit... Singing, lifting your voice, singing it in your own language, I actually think it's very releasing. Right? I know people looking on might say, you're crazy. At Pentecost, they said, you're, they were utterly amazed and perplexed, those looking on. They actually said they're drunk. They've had too much wine. It's crazy. They might think it's a beautiful sound and it had a kind of order about it, but they're crazy. You worship God, and sometimes you use a language and songs that you know, and sometimes you open your mouths and sing it out and you, in, a, in a language you don't know. Or if you do, you're going to do it in English, Dale, but you don't know what you're going to sing. You just open your mouth and the Holy Spirit brings something to God. Are, are you sure? i just got to say this to you. Look, the gospel is crazy. It is. The Bible calls it foolishness. It is. The Son of God hanging on a cross. Whenever was, that a, whenever was that a strategy for victory? Whenever did that make sense in the books you buy at the airport? 27 ways to get on in the world. The Trinity. It's crazy. Virgin birth. Virgin birth. I mean, that's a bit, isn't it? Virgin birth. Just think about it. The Bible says the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But, you know, when you get to a place where you don't care that people may be looking in, might think it's foolish. Because actually you get to a place of understanding. Me worshipping God in this moment is more important than what somebody might think who is looking on or watching on. I actually think that's a very releasing place to be. Very releasing means now actually you can do the one thing that we should be doing when we come together and worship, which is basically agreeing with God about how wonderful his son is. That's really what we do when we come to worship. We agree with God how wonderful his son is. Because his son is the one who paid the ultimate price, the only price for us. 
And the Holy Spirit actually wants to help us to agree with God about how wonderful Jesus is. And if singing in the Spirit, if opening my voice and trusting that God will come and put a song of praise in my heart, whether that's in a language I know or a, or a language I haven't learned, then I'm completely up for it. Let me just give you a couple of practicalities. Number one, you must use your vocal cords and mouth and sing. The Holy Spirit will not become like a massive ventriloquist dummy. You do not stand there and suddenly find, God, you're wonderful. It doesn't happen like that. I say it because some Christians, they just go clam up. They just, just clam up. Use your vocal cords, your mouth, and sing. Sometimes people feel a bit more comfortable if they get a bit of room. I actually find it quite hard to worship God if I've got two people standing very close to me. I need at least that much space. That's what I've decided. I need that much space. So you may just want to move, not to the back of the room and, you know, into the kitchen, but you may just want to give yourself a little bit of space. You might find that. The other thing to say is you can practice worshipping God, singing in the Spirit, singing in another language, singing in English on your own. When you're at home, put the music on, turn it up loud if, like me, you can't sing. Uh, you can practice, as it were, and genuinely worship at home. But you know what? Don't keep this for exclusively when you're on your own. Because singing in this way, singing in the Spirit, is primarily something that should happen when we gather as a church. Why Paul says, when you come together, let's not turn the things that God wanted to be done corporately into things we only ever do privately because we're a bit concerned about what other people might think. This is a corporate function that we can also do privately. So in a moment, we're going to have a time of worship, and we're going to use some songs to worship that are written down and da-da-da. But then in between those songs, we're going to have some space. And as we're led by the worship team, I want to encourage you because there'll be space to lift up your voice and to sing. And if you can speak in tongues and you know you can, then you can sing in tongues. So if you can, then give it a go. But if you can't speak in tongues, don't worry. Lift your voice. Sing out your praise to God in a language which you know. Because if you do that, I believe the Holy Spirit will stir that praise within you. And actually, as you pour out your praise, whether it's in English or Bulgarian or Nigerian or an angelic language or a language you don't know, the Holy Spirit will, I believe, keep on touching your heart and pouring the love of God into your heart that we might pour out our praise